Hello, this is Abolish Arkham, and I am your host, Dakota Kennedy. You are listening to WBCA 102.9 FM, Boston. Abolish Arkham is where we reimagine justice for the punished. If we can't imagine our world without police and prisons, what about fictional ones? Abolish Arkham examines the role of the legal system within popular superhero narratives. We recognize that superheroes often work outside the law with police officers with the end goal of incapacitating villains, whether it be through incarceration or death. By challenging traditional systems of punishment, we imagine stories rooted in resilience over retribution and justice over punishment. And to kick off our first episode, I am joined in the studio with my guest and partner in crime, Yuki Nishida. Hey, Yuki. Hey, Dakota. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we are going to be having a conversation about Batman in, in particular. I would love to just kind of summarize Batman. Um, Batman is a beloved superhero um, who has gotten a variety of movie remakes. I think there might be like four or five. Like can, I can't even keep track of how many different Batmans there are right now. Yeah. <laughs> and something that's always interested me about Batman, or at least that I remember, um, I don't know about you, Yuki, mm -hmm. as a very little kid, is I always liked the villains more than I liked Batman. What about you? Really? I feel like um I feel like at least like when I was younger and for a lot of pe or a lot of my friends at least whenever we would talk about Batman, there was always some sort of appeal from him that because he didn't have super superpowers like unlike uh, Superman or Wonder Woman, there was like that sort of like normal guy appeal for him. Which is funny because he's a billionaire. Yeah, that seems to go over our that that went over our heads a lot as kids. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Like, I remember even being a little kid and watching the Batman animated series. Did you ever watch the animated series? Um, I remember it vaguely. Yeah, um, I do. Yeah, so I remember watching the animated series and just loving villains like Harley Quinn mm -hmm. and Poison Ivy and Catwoman and even as a little like a little girl like just thinking wow like look at these powerful women mm -hmm. even though they were kind of you know we weren't supposed to root for them yeah i <laughs> it's kind of weird it's like they're they they're also they also have such great like backstories and like character designs that it's really hard to like it doesn't really make sense <laughs> root for Batman when you're going against someone who's much more in depth. <laughs> right. Like, is it just because Batman's parents were killed right in front of him, which is a really terrible thing, of course. Mm -hmm. But is that like part of what makes him sympathetic? I don't know. I don't know. There's got to be some sort of explanation. I also I, I Googled this a little earlier. Hit all of Batman's solo movies have made over two billion dollars domestically. Wow. Do you know, like, do you know what that means, like, in relation to other movies? Like, is that a lot? That is, it sounds like a lot. It's quite a lot. I think that might be, am, am I, well, it's like solo movies, like just Batman movies, not like um, like the Avengers, um, where that has grossed, like, a lot of money. This is, like, strictly all of the Batman movies, like, 
remakes combined. Wow. I, like, not even the Iron Man, like, trilogy could compare. Wow. Go figure, especially because, like, when you think about Marvel versus DC, Marvel gets a rap for being a lot more successful than DC. Mm-hmm. But Batman seems to be one of the maybe perhaps outliers. Yeah, I think so. Well, I mean, we just got the Robert Pattinson uh, version of Batman recently this year. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So many movies. Um, so I guess when you were growing up and watching Batman, I mean, my favorite character ever since I can remember is Harley mm-hmm. Quinn. Um, Me too. <laughs> oh, cool. Really? <laughs> I really love Harley Quinn. What do you love about Harley Quinn? I just love, um, <laughs> I just love crazy characters, <laughs> just personally. <laughs> and I feel like, um, especially like Harley Quinn was, she always had sort of that wild side that, and I like growing up also had like a little wild side that I could resonate with Harley Quinn, where I just kind of wanted to like let go, let loose. And um, it was really fun to like, a fun character to like sort of identify with as like a little kid, I guess. I always just thought it was so cool that she has her PhD. Like she's a psycho- she's a psychologist and her origin story, she's a mm-hmm. psychologist within Arkham Asylum, um which is something I hope to, you know, I hope to talk a little bit more about Arkham Asylum later on today, mm-hmm. but I just think again kind of going back to like for me just recognizing how powerful these women characters are mm-hmm. and even like something that I think about is to me, I feel like Batman in a lot of ways kind of does the best job of humanizing their villains and giving them backstories that make you empathize with them. Mm-hmm. Like even with Harley Quinn, in a lot of the narratives about her, you know, she falls in love with the Joker mm-hmm. and kind of goes off of the deep end and often engages in this really toxic relationship with the Joker. And Mm -hmm. it's easy to just kind of feel for her as she (laughs) is getting taken on this ride by this man. I mean, I feel like also, I mean, and with like the Joker movie coming out in, when was it? 2019, I think. It's just, it's all (laughs) pre-COVID, post-COVID times for me, Yuki. (laughs) Oh, I I believe it was pre-COVID because I went to, I went to see in the theaters without a mask as that's what I remember. But um, on talk, on the topic of sort of empathy and Batman uh, sort of like giving these really deep backstories of, of their villains, I feel like Joker is an, is another prime example, you know, despite this relationship with Harley Quinn, but he himself also has a backstory um, within sort of this um, Gotham Arkham universe. Absolutely. And I mean, we've seen that several times in the Batman movies. Like, I mean, even like Heath Ledger in mm-hmm. The Dark Knight and the way that he really brought the Joker to life and we learned about the Joker's backstory, at least in The Dark Knight, about his terrible childhood Mm -hmm. um, and some of the reasons why, like, you know, kind of getting into this why is he a supervillain, why is he who he is. And I think that that is something that really stands out to me about Batman because, you know, and getting to the theme of our show, like, I really see a lot of parallels between Um, Batman and Gotham and Arkham Asylums, you know, and even the Gotham Police Department. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Gotham is kind of a fictionalized version of New York, Mm -hmm. and it is in such disarray. Um, And really, 
it's just interesting because you have Arkham Asylum, which is where villains get sent for punishment Mm -hmm. and they either stay there for their entire lives rotting Mm -hmm. or they break out (laughs) Mm -hmm. and the cycle continues and things I don't really think ever seem to get better off of this model of punishment and incarceration Mm -hmm. over treatment and putting money into services. And so I really value the parallels that are easy, I think, to draw between Gotham and this fictional world of Batman and a lot of the things that we are seeing now in Mm -hmm. terms of the conversations that are happening around even, you know, taking resources away from the police and Mm -hmm. instead choosing to invest that money in early childhood education or to pay Mm -hmm. our teachers better or to have better health care. I mean, the list just goes on (laughs) and on. Is there anything I'm missing, Yuki? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, I I think you really hit the nail there. And uh, one thing that I was like, when you when you were talking about um, sort of extracting money from these programs um, into the police department, into these um, police, the Gotham Police Department, I mean, we know that um, Gotham is sort of this fictionalized New York City, and um, at least in the Joker movie, um, that was based on somewhat the early uh, early 80s, late 70s uh, around New York, which in parallel to the real New York City, crime was at sort of an all-time high, and uh, President Gerald Ford basically refused to bail out these uh, big banks, and that sort of left the city at this high crime rate. Um, sort of these public programs are without money. And we can see um, in that story, specifically within the Joker context, that um, his sort of descent into madness is sort of a, um, when his social workers, um, like institution gets, like programs get cut basically, and he just stops seeing her. And he sort of is left without any like any sort of these programs, and that sort of sets off his trajectory into the villain that we all know. Yeah, which, you know, I think is a really relatable dynamic that we see play out today over and over again. Um, I am so thankful for this narrative um, and just to have this opportunity to talk more about this with you. Mm -hmm. Um, It's paining me to go to a break, um, but I think right now we are going to take a short break. Um, I am your host, Dakota Kennedy. This has been Abolish Arkham, and I am joined in the studio with Yuki Nishida, my partner in crime, and this is WBCA 102.9 FM Boston. Don't go anywhere. We'll see you soon. Brown girl, thick waist with a smile up on my face. Tell them I deserve that. The house on the hill, save us one of a mill. Tell them I deserve that. I see my name up in lights, run around like Tyson. And I bite like them when they earn that. This is black girl joy. When they tell you you ain't worth it because they don't know how to hurt you, you deserve that, baby. This for the black girls and the brown ones. 
Put it never like the glass girls in the ratchet. To the hustlers and the hustlers and table CEOs. To the trans women, pan women, gender not conform. To the women who persist in shopping in the men department. When the world is just a normal, tell the world you know you pop it. Now get your racks like Serena. Or get high like Rihanna. Bring your house like Dula Tifa. Ain't got a thing like a shout out to Tiana though. And you know I gotta mention my Beyonce. Swear if I ever see her, no, it's not safe. You better watch it if you petty and you know it, clap your hands. If you petty and you know it, clap your hands. If you petty and you know it, then you ain't afraid to show it. You don't need permission, girl. Go ahead, go ahead and get it. Treat labels like caskets. If you press for it, then you can have it. You could ask about me. Guess you ain't know. How you ain't know by now? It's like South to magic. Tired of pouring out questions over all these blessings. Now I take a shot so I can drown out all the stress. And I was pent up with aggression, pent into depression. Thank you and myself for soaking up these lessons. Tell my sister she a victim, not a victim. Same goes for my independent women. Trying to break about this whole cookie system. I know you gotta grind, you ain't even gotta listen. You deserve that. Screaming loud so they heard that. Used to drive rap for wish you that I had more now. When I'm on a hunt, I've been moving like a jaguar. Used to make home out of couches. Tell them all you deserve a few houses. Of the words that be coming out of your mouth. You know they still insult in a drought. You drive my stride, we can make it like a mission. Put some rap for ain't even really got a transmission. Good luck. Tell them I deserve that. The house on the hill, save us one of a mill. Tell them I deserve that. I see my name up in lights, ran around like Tyson. And I bite like them when they earn that. This is black girl joy. When they tell you you ain't worth it because they don't know how to hurt you, you deserve that, baby. Tell them I deserve that. Welcome back. That was Deserve That by Oompa, a local hip-hop artist off of her album, November 3rd. My name is Dakota Kennedy, and you are listening to Abolish Arkham on WBCA 102.9 FM, Boston. Before the break, Yuki and I were talking about Batman and some of the parallels between Gotham and life today. Yuki, we were just talking about um, kind of this parallel between the Joker and a lack of social services being explained for a reason why the Joker might have turned to crime. Can you say a little bit more? Mm-hmm. I think in terms of <clears throat> my apologies, um, we can really see um, today um, sort of um, in sort of these movements for towards abolishing the police or divesting from police programs to sort of reinvest that money into social programming, like after school programs for kids, um, especially in these neighborhoods where um, crime is at, where crime is pretty high. And so when we see that, when we see the system fail, in such a way that we seek punitive just pun, the punitive system and the criminal justice system and really invest all of our money there to fight crime with violence we end up with this like never never ending cycle of like abuse that we see both in the batman universe and here in real life absolutely and i think that you know 
that's really what inspired even the name of this radio show, Abolish Arkham. I'm really interested in analyzing some of these superhero narratives and chose to start with Batman because I feel like it's one of the most famous ones Mm -hmm. that we have. It's at least it's this kind of cultural touchstone that a lot of people can go to. And perhaps sometimes it feels like a safer fictional place Mm -hmm. to have some of these conversations because sometimes, and you know, we saw this a lot in 2020 with the def- with the critiques of the defund the police and the abolish the police, that it just really instilled a lot of fear mm-hmm. in people. Um, because it's really hard when you grow up in a society and you learn that the police protect us, or maybe you learn early on that they don't. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of people who learn that the police are, you know, the protectors of the law, that they protect you, it can be really scary to think about what would happen were they gone. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, what do you think? I mean, one thing that I sort of find like kind of interesting within the Batman universe, and this is especially um, in the most recent Batman and uh, the Robert Pattinson Batman um, he, uh, his portrayal of Batman relentlessly beats up, um, these, like, these sort of criminals, and you sort of, um, like, it, it really made me puzzled about how much, about how violent it is, and one thing that I thought was, I think that's interesting within, like, specifically in the Batman universe, is sort of this idea of vigilantism, and sort of how, because, even the criminal justice system failed Batman in sort of um, his parents dying. He sort of turned into this vigilante and sort of really sets off that narrative that we are beginning to see. Um, dropping in um, the Texas abortion bill um, about this new wave of vigilantism and sort of this um, idea of um, private actors I'm so glad that you brought this up because I think that there is a really interesting tension it with it between superheroes and law enforcement and that with superheroes like superheroes predominantly aren't operate outside of the legal system but often you know kind of pursuing violence um and it is interesting to me because It basically, I think, undermines the usefulness of the police Mm -hmm. at the same time that they're reinforcing some of these traditional forms of punishment. So even often, you know, in other law shows, like even Law & Order SVU is like Mm -hmm. one that I grew up with, um, kind of seeing these times where villains will get away on a technicality Mm -hmm. and how frustrating that that can look. That it's like, wow, like the law didn't protect us. Like this person got off just because of a technicality. And I think that when you, I mean, you know, I think that that is an oversaturated narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the police and the superheroes working together, it's like the the superheroes aren't bound by the law. So they can do mm-hmm. whatever they want. They can really go and get justice. Like they mm-hmm. can, they're not tied back. Mm-hmm. And often exactly what you're saying is that they'll resort to violence. And I mean, 
Batman is an interesting one because there is technically a difference between a vigilante and a villain. Mm -hmm. And usually it's about whether or not, um, you know, vigilantes tend to kill a lot more than um, a superhero. You know, Mm -hmm. superheroes usually aren't supposed to kill. And so when we think of superheroes and how they go about getting justice, it's this, it really parallels exactly what you're saying, this vigilante justice that we're seeing right now, where we need private actors to work outside the law because the law isn't enough. And I think that's a really dangerous point of view. It really is. And one thing that I think is particularly interesting with Batman as sort of this quote-unquote superhero is that he's a wealthy man. Exactly. He has so much wealth. Um, that he could easily redistribute into, I get, I don't know, funding these pro- public pro- pu- public programs, which failed the sort of villains that he is fighting against. And uh, I want to ref- I want to refer to a, an NPR article that Glenn Weldon writes, where he sort of talks about how these superheroes send a, sort of this message of um, might equals rights, and how it's usually a small set of privileged individuals, in this case, Bruce Wayne, with a lot of money and a lot of, um, a lot of sort of these, um, these capabilities bound, like, uh, that are unbound because of his like, immense amount of wealth, who get to shape this sort of definition of what justice is or even seek out their own, like, like their own sort of punitive justice. Absolutely. Um, And just once again, if you're just joining us, my name is Dakota Kennedy, and this is Abolish Arkham on WBCA 102.9 FM Boston. And I am joined by my guest, Yuki Nishida. And we are getting into the thick of things in terms of the parallels between uh, the fictional world of Gotham and Batman and real life today. And gosh, Yuki, there was something that you just said that sparked a thought. I mean, going back to this Batman and Bruce Wayne being billionaires, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's this great, it's probably just a meme at this point, but how often people think that they have a chance of becoming a billionaire. And so they start, right, like acting like, in you know, kind of maybe even voting or kind of making decisions as if one day they're going to be a billionaire Mm -hmm. when the when the odds of becoming homeless or incarcerated or any of these other things are significantly more likely to happen to to me and you, you know, Mm -hmm. than either of us ever becoming a billionaire. Mm -hmm. We are more likely to become climate refugees than to become billionaires in this day and age. Exactly. And I think one thing also that's sort of – it's sort of dystopic about the uh, Gotham Batman universe is that it sort of teeters and plays around with um, this ever dividing class divide, like ever dividing class system, where it's really just the rich and powerful and um, the poor and underserved, and we and we begin to see like even in today's context about how the middle class is seemingly beginning to disappear. And so it's really interesting to see how this sort of um, world that Gotham creates, this sort of quote-unquote dystopic world that we're seeing become more and more of a reality 
in our in our current society and system. Absolutely. And I can't believe it, but we only have a minute or so left. So I want to leave our, our listeners um, with maybe something to think about or something that's a little bit more hopeful um, <laughs> um, than some of the topics that we've been discussing. But I mean, I think that honestly, abolition and this moving away from a reliance on police and prisons, I think it is really hopeful. I think that it's beautiful to imagine a world where, you know, we don't need these systems anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, in terms of these conversations and the purpose of this show is really just to try and move the needle forward in opening people up um, and kind of trying to show people that abolition isn't as scary as some parts of the media might want you to think. (laughs) Yeah, I think that... um... The Batman universe really exacerbates um, or really just uh, hyperbolizes what happens when public some public programming, um, some public fun- publicly funded programming goes like gets easily gets drained by um, by competing interests. Absolutely. Um, well, thank you all for tuning in. This has been Abolish Arkham with your host, Dakota Kennedy, and my guest, Yuki Nishida. You are listening to WBCA 102.9 FM Boston, and you can catch us next week for a new episode of Abolish Arkham.